Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Bible and Me podcast. In this episode, Molly Watts talks to Kerry Badger from St Paul's Church in Salisbury about her family's struggles as a child, how her life was turned around with God's help, and how he is using her to set others free through her work as a community pastor. We pray you will be encouraged by Kerry's story. Views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals speaking and may not represent the views of Preset Ministries UK. We hope and pray that this podcast will bless you in your walk of faith. If it does, leave us a rating or review and subscribe for more podcasts every Friday. And now, without further ado, here's the podcast. Well, I would like to welcome Kerry Badger, who's joining me today uh, for this podcast. Kerry, it's lovely to have you. Thank you for making time to come and talk to us. Thank you for inviting me. Um, <laughs> Kerry, you are married to Mike. You've been married, I think, since 1986. Is that uh-huh. right? Yeah. yeah. You're the mother of three, three children, yeah. Sarah all grown is up. <laughs> all grown up. So Sarah's 30, James? James is 29, yeah, and Pat is 21. 21. Mm-hmm. And you've also got grandchildren, is that right? Yeah, we've got five grandchildren and a six. So eldest is six and the youngest is six months. So yeah, they're a lot of fun. <laughs> so busy days. Yeah. So mother, mm-hmm. grandmother, but you're also the community pastor at St. Paul's Church in Salisbury. Yeah. <laughs> How did your journey of faith begin, or how did you become a passionate follower of Jesus? Because whenever I think of you, I think of you as someone who loves the Lord Jesus, but is um, just desirous of, of walking in a way that pleases him and teaching other people and telling other people about him. How did you begin to follow Jesus? Mm. Um, my, uh, probably my first experience of anything faith-related was my grandmother used to take me to Lincoln Cathedral and sit me in the stalls. Um, sometimes when I was actually very little, but then my family weren't really, um, didn't really have a faith. But um, bizarrely, my sister became a Christian probably when I was about 13, I think. And she was two years younger than me and she got baptised. And I went to her baptism and I was so impacted by the service that actually I gave my life to Jesus on the same evening. Gosh. So, um, but I don't think I really um, knew him properly, I don't think, until um, after I was married. So I married when I was 21. Um, and aspects of um, bringing up children brought up kind of issues from, from my childhood. And um, I had some help to try and process um, some of that because I didn't want to pass baggage down to my children as it had gone kind of through the generations. So made a decision to get some help and through that really had quite a powerful encounter with Jesus and I think it was at that point that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that who he was and that's really when the relationship kind of properly properly started. And how has that relationship with Jesus affected you since then? Um, I think um, it, it's probably the most important thing Ever. It's been the most significant thing in my recovery, and I think it because of what I know that he, uh, what I've experienced of what he's done in my life, it, you know, in, in my work, it makes me passionate about how he can make a difference in other people's lives too. So, um, yeah, it's just 
Amazing, really. <laughs> now, you've used two words that I think we can pick up. One is baggage and one is recovery. That's, yeah. Those are interesting <laughs> words. Why did you use those words? Um, baggage, I think, um, obviously I didn't know it at the time, but looking back through the generations of my family, there were difficulties that kind of just got passed on from generation to generation. And I was aware that if I didn't, if I didn't call a halt to it and didn't deal with it, then I would then pass you know, unhelpful stuff onto my children and it would just continue. So I made a decision really that I wanted it to stop with me. So, um, so yeah, I was, I think I was the fifth generation in my family to be, to be pregnant when I got married. Um, and actually when my daughter got married, um, she decided her first kiss would be on a wedding day. So that really was, I could almost hear chains breaking in heaven kind of on on that day so I, I just feel my children's future is so much different and um, really because of Jesus intervening in in my life and and now I get to see that their children's yeah their children's lives are a lot different because of Jesus intervening in my life so I think the impact is not just for me but for my children and my children's children and hopefully their children as well so there's a real hope in getting to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. over these last few years, well, a few years, I mean, you said you were 13 initially and then about, mm -hmm. um, was it 21? 21, yeah. Mm -hmm. So a few years ago. Um, how has your relationship with Jesus developed then? Um, what has it, is, Do you feel that he's always with you? Do you think sometimes that you're closer to him than others? Um, how have you developed your relationship with him? Um... I think initially I related to probably to Jesus most because relating to God as a father was a really difficult sort of step for me and it took quite a long time before I could you know kind of you know talk about a relationship with a father and actually just the gradual process of getting to know him better and trusting him it didn't become it became so much easier so and then I you know, I really struggled. My my parents split when I was five, um, and didn't really have any contact, kind of really with my dad. And that that was, I don't know. There was it felt like there was a bit of a hole, kind of missing. Um, dads are important in daughters' lives, really, and you know, God had replaced that, you know, more way and above, um, really. So yeah, in in that way, it felt like I was being restored. To how kind of more how he meant me to be mm. really <laughs> so you mentioned that your father left when he was you were five years mm -hmm. old you you've had I think in your own words you used a dysfunctional family mm -hmm. um, so growing up clearly was a challenge do you want mm -hmm. to just tell us a little bit about that um yeah my, my parents separated my dad had quite a few kind of personal issues through my parents separated so my mum um, brought us up you know by herself and actually really we grew up in with kind of quite a lot of poverty and I think she did the best that she could do but I think it was incredibly hard um, she remarried probably when I was about uh, 10 or 11 but that didn't work out um, and actually she remarried again when I, when I was in my teens so it just, I don't know, um, not quite sure how to explain it. <laughs> it, was just, it just wasn't an average family, really. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I did I think I really struggled with not not having a dad around I think mm. which is why you were saying that getting to know God as your father was perhaps a challenge initially but just it's been so important to you mm. uh, well yeah it's, it's been life-giving I think mm. yeah. and so growing up was it Lincoln where you grew yeah. up yeah um, grew up in Lincoln and you said also that alcoholism played a part. So obviously pregnancy outside of marriage, alcoholism played, played a part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would have affected you as well quite a lot as a child, seeing mm-hmm. adults um, suffering that way. Yeah, yeah, it, it, was, it was difficult. Um, I was really very, very, very young, but there were things I remember that you probably shouldn't mm. <laughs> as a child of that age um, but yeah uh, um, but the Lord has redeemed he definitely has <laughs> he's redeemed hasn't he because yeah. he made himself known to you mm-hmm. and I loved what you said that you wanted to break that generational mm-hmm. um, pattern and so mm-hmm. your daughter um, her first kiss was on her wedding day mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you feel when you saw her walking up the aisle and, and then kissing her husband <laughs> uh, for that first time? Yeah, it, it was just, uh, as I said, I, I felt like you could hear chains breaking in, kind of in heaven because it felt like at that point, you know, it kind of it all stopped really. And to, to be honest, it, you talk about having help, but that was over years and took a lot of effort. And, um, you know, it was, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was hard work. Um, and it just felt that was kind of not not the fulfilment of everything, but it was just the point where you could say, actually, that's mm. that's it. There was a line in the sand, and that, that was kind of the end of it, really. Mm. So yeah, there was a, she she had four foot of snow on her wedding day, so we had quite. A <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of snow. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. Partway through the service, a huge sort of you know, I don't know what you call it, a huge raft of snow just fell off the roof, making a huge crash. But anyway, that was, <laughs> it was a good to day. the excitement of the day. <laughs> it was a good day. <laughs> that was wonderful. Yeah. So you grew up in Lincoln. You went to school. Um, I believe you went to Welton Comprehensive School. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and sadly, you didn't do so well in your A-level exams, did you? No, no, I think I was quite bright and I think I could have done it, but I found I found it quite difficult to concentrate with, you know, kind of stuff going on at home. So, um, and actually I was offered a, a place at Coventry School of Nursing, kind of I'd finished exams in the June and I was offered a place in the July before I got the results, so I just kind of legged it really. You took the place. <laughs> went to, yeah, so went to, yeah, went and did nursing in Coventry, so in the event that the A-levels didn't matter too much. And did you specialise or did you do general nursing when you were there? I did general nursing, um, I did general nurse training and then I did a bit of an A&E and um, just in small cottage hospitals and things but I really enjoyed general practice, that was where I, I, I loved community really. So I, I don't know, James is 29 so yeah probably you know, about 29 years ago or so I started in general practice. So I did 30 years of nursing altogether um, and then just felt God said, you know, just to stop it. I really struggled with, I was a nurse practitioner towards the end of my career and um, you end up being a little bit like a mini GP. 
so it was sort of 10 minutes appointments from when you got there to when you left and I just got so tired of seeing people fall through the nets, you know, people with difficulties that you couldn't really mm-hmm. help in such a short space of time. So I really felt God told me to stop and I wasn't used to stopping something without starting something else but he just told me to stop and I stopped and just really felt called to volunteer in different areas and just see you know just kind of work out my calling really where I was kind of supposed to be next Mm. (laughs) and I need to say you actually achieved a first class honours uh, BSc in mm. advanced nurse practitioner, did you yeah, not? Yeah. <laughs> um, having failed your A levels. Yeah, I've uh, failed quite a few science A levels. My children find it quite funny that I've got a first class honours degree in science but don't have any A levels in science. So there's great <laughs> hope, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Um, what a yeah. blessing that yeah. you know you had such a tough time as a young person yeah. and yet. You persevered and the Lord's really mm-hmm. blessed you and you were able to use your brain. So you said you're quite bright, so you were yeah. able to give of yourself and really um, yeah. prove yourself in that way. Yeah. So you obviously love nursing because mm-hmm. to do it for 30 years, mm-hmm. um, what aspect of nursing did you enjoy most? I think I love, I love people and I love community, particularly general practice. You get to meet kind of the whole family, so... Um, and I really enjoyed that. It's quite varied. Um, yeah, I just love people. In the last um, seven years, when I worked, I worked for a Christian practice in Southampton. That was quite interesting. The partners were Christians and very much run on Christian principles. So that was, I quite enjoyed um, being there. Mm. Yeah, I did enjoy nursing. <laughs> but it came to the point when you... How did you hear God say to you, stop? Because sometimes we, we hear God speaking to us in different ways. Was it just an impression that you had that the Lord was saying? Or was it just a scripture that God gave you? Or how did you know that you had to stop? It was probably a combination of things. I mean, I, I felt, you know, quite tired of it and frustrated. And I'd always loved it. So the way I felt about it had changed. Um you know, I think you know. I, I, he he would have spoken to me through his word. I can't remember what the scriptures would have been, but he, I would have looked for him in scripture as well to kind of direct me. And then, as I say, I wasn't used to stopping something without starting something else. So that was the new thing, and that that was quite difficult, kind of financially. You know, there were financial considerations in that, but both of us felt kind of clearly that that was the right thing to do. So. So in volunteering, you did a number of different things. And then how did you then come upon this position at St. Paul's being the community pastor? Because that's how I know you, um, through church on Sunday. Mm. And so you are my community pastor (laughs) as well. Um, So how how did you come to be in that position? I I think I was in a service one day, and the lady, who Joe Desborough, who was a community worker before me, stood up and talked a little bit about her work and I just felt a complete almost like a resonance with her thinking actually and I remember sort of you know nudging Mike's arm and saying you know I'd, I'd love to do something like that um but then there was quite quite that was before I stopped work and then um when I did stop I volunteered to help her in fact I think I was still nursing I volunteered to help her a day a week with various things so 
Um, and actually, by the time she came to stop, then it was kind of, um, yeah, I applied for the job and, and got it, <laughs> which, yeah, um, absolutely love, absolutely love it. And you've been doing it for about four years now, yeah. I think, haven't you? Yeah. So what, what are your responsibilities? What does a community mm. pastor do? It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> do you need to go back and define it? <laughs> So I'm, I'm full-time um, as a community pastor, so I work in and out of the church and in and out of our community, SV2 coffee shop and community centre, which is across the road, which the church started, I think, it must be nearly four years ago. Um, and uh, a lot of work I do is with vulnerable women, um, with people with mental ill health. Um, I do some support for girls who leave the refuge um, because they... You know, they settle locally and they haven't really got any resources to set up home. So um, I help with applying for grants and things for to help set them up. And so I think since September, I must have had, I think it's £8,000 in, in grants um, to help with washing machines and carpets and things like that. Um, so I did a bit of that. I run a group for women um, who struggle, which I've been running this morning. And we run a life group. My husband runs a, a programme to support people with um, who are struggling with addiction. So I help um, with that. So, so some of it's, uh, quite a lot of it's one-to-one. Some of it's out and about. Some of it's kind of in church. So, um, but yeah, I really enjoy it. Very varied. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things I think I enjoy. But also very demanding as well, because emotionally you're meeting with people that are perhaps mm. quite damaged themselves or maybe needy. And so how do you, um, when I use the word protect yourself, because you need to be able to be very caring and compassionate, but there needs to be also a level of professionalism. Mm-hmm. Um, those are my words, not yours. But mm. how, how do you, in a sense, protect yourself so that you don't take the issues back with you or do mm. you struggle in that area? No, I think it's, I suppose nursing taught me quite a lot about being boundaries, really. Um, so you do need positive and healthy boundaries to keep myself safe, but also to keep other people safe as well. So um, I try to stick to those. I mean, you know, inevitably the job sometimes runs to, you know, to too many hours. Just have to be kind of careful um, in that. I'm quite keen um, for people not to become dependent on me to kind of signpost Jesus really I think is you know is the is the right thing. So some people I might do a bit of practical help but also signpost Jesus and I might not kind of have much to do with them again. But then there are other people who it's kind of an ongoing relationship with and I think maybe people I've worked with for a really long time is some people I've probably worked alongside for four years and they're kind of more like friends now than, you know, people I would see. So so it does, it does change, it's just I think I need to be careful about my boundaries but also be careful about boundaries to protect other people as well. And how do you yeah. signpost Jesus? That's a lovely phrase. <laughs> how do you do that? I think I just try to be honest about my own journey because I do know, you know, because of my background, you know, I know that there's hope and I know that things can change. Um, and, um, you know, so I think there always is hope. So I think very often even simple things like teaching people to be thankful, um, 
you know, really does kind of almost signpost Jesus because we have so much to be thankful for. Um, I think one of the things I most enjoy about the job is seeing how people engage with Jesus or how basically how he reaches out to start conversations with them as well. So very often you might have events where, you know, something might happen which really just, you know, God meets. And we had a, a gentleman who um, was kind of thinking about aspects of faith but looked out of his bedroom window and saw a rainbow hitting the top of a church spire. And for him, that was the thing, although we talked about Jesus, that was the thing that made him go out and buy a Bible. So he literally went out and bought a Bible and actually bought one for his friend as well, which is quite quite interesting. So I love those kind of stories that you you hear where God reaches in, you know, in his own right, not necessarily, you know, he has the grace to include me sometimes, but just, Mm. you know, he's hungry to, to reach people, you know, wherever they're at through all sorts of different ways. And that's one of the great thrills, I think, of, of the work. And so when you meet people, the, am I right in saying the majority of the people that you work with are not believers? Would that be fair to yeah, say? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. So how do you go about explaining who you are and your role? Um, or do they already know you as the community worker from the church? Um, and, and then how do you bring Jesus into the conversation? Because... It's something that I think a lot of people struggle with. Um, it's actually talking about their faith, talking mm. about Jesus. How do you how do you do that? I think I try to do it quite naturally and maybe not not in a preachy way. So um, we had a had a situation last week where there was um, a young girl who had moved into a house but had just concrete on the floor, and she had a one year old. Um, little boy who just kept falling and bashing himself on the concrete and they couldn't afford any carpet so we did apply for some funds for carpet but it wasn't looking very hopeful and I just said well you know we'll we'll pray and prayed and you know kind of I really felt that there's there's a, a grants committee meeting next week but it just felt like it was just too long you know two three weeks with a little boy just falling over and hurting himself just felt too long so I just said talked to the carpet company and they said that they'd fit it and they would hold back the payment and they wouldn't demand payment mm-hmm. you know kind of straight away which is very gracious of them but they have to pay carpet fitters and I was upset about this so I'd, I'd told the lady that I'd been honest with the lady about what happened said I was going to pray anyway the following day I came into work and had I had another, a, a check for 750 that I wasn't expecting towards the carpet so it just covered the carpet fitters um, be so I could go then go back and say to her, you know, we prayed and this is kind of you know kind of what's happened and you know but I think it's where um, um oh her name's got completely gone out of my head. <laughs> That's alright, but where do you, is this an example from the scriptures or something? Yeah, from the share? scripture. It's in in Genesis where it's, um I've. I've forgotten her name, that's terrible. Is it Hannah that goes into the desert and says... Hagar. Hagar, that's it, Hagar. Oh, completely sorry, I've completely forgotten her name. Hagar goes into the desert and says, I see the one who sees me. And mm. I think it's very much that, that, that um, somebody is aware when God intervenes in their situation that God has seen them in, their, in that situation mm. and then they see a revelation of who he is. Mm. So you're able to just very gently pray Mm -hmm. um, and just share the answers to those prayers. 
Mm-hmm. And what was that lady's response when you were able to say, look, we prayed, the money's come in, here we go? Yeah, well, she, she's just amazed and, and thankful. And I will go and see her because I, I promised I'd go and bounce on her carpet. I love bouncing on new carpet things. <laughs> so maybe I'll talk to her more about it. But, but yeah, you know, sometimes God, God does things that impress even me. <laughs> I told her that. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And so you mentioned about Hagar in Genesis. How important is the Bible to you, Kerry? Mm. Um, what place does it play in your life? I really enjoy um, reading the Bible. I try to read um, every morning. So and I, I do pretty well read every morning. Um, I find if I leave the house without it somehow I feel a bit naked Mm. (laughs) and ill-equipped and some days I find a lot more productive than others and then some days he completely amazes you just with something really small Mm. um so yeah I really enjoy it so I, I I've used various methods kind of over time I really I've quite enjoyed doing search for scriptures and I'm joining with the church with their sort of um, Bible in a year mm-hmm. this year. And are you able to share the scriptures with um, the community uh, clients as well? Are you being able to share um, Bible study mm. with them at all? Yeah, we tend to do it a little bit different because they're very Bible naive. So um, a couple of weeks ago we talked about, we had a huge sheet of paper in the middle of the table with, with girls sitting all the way around it and we just encourage them to remember the story of creation from Sunday school or, or whatever. So as we were uh, remembering the different things God created, we put them, we drew them around the side of the paper. And actually, the, when we got to uh, sort of trees and plants, girls were drawing trees all around the table. And then one girl who's from the Philippines drew a drew a coconut tree, which was really interesting, but <laughs> slightly different. And the animals she drew were slightly different because of her experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the middle we drew sort of the you know the tree of life and then the tree of knowledge of good and evil and talked about how God gave us choices from the beginning and talked about what choices you know we could make for this was sort of at the beginning of the year. And what choices could we could we make during the year? So, um, and a lot of them are not are not um, people with are people with without faith or who are inquiring about faith. But it's amazing how much they remember from Sunday school, and it's just a way of encouraging them to engage with God's word, but at a very kind of gentle level. Um, and then some some girls want to do more. Um, of, you know, studying the scripture a bit deeper. So, actually, I've really enjoyed. They've really enjoyed the, your precept lightning studies. We've done. I think we've done all that you've got on those pretty well. I think, and actually, they really enjoy that. The pra- practical aspects of that, being able to mark the words and and really kind of get into it. So that actually, I was amazed by that with people that are kind of very scripturally scripture naive. That they really enjoyed. They really enjoyed that. And so just if anybody's listening um, and they don't know what the lightning studies are, the lightning studies are uh, very short studies that can be done in a short space of time. They're free, they're downloadable from our website and you can print them off and there are instructions just to read the passage, mark Mm -hmm. certain words and then list what you learn about them with Mm -hmm. some application points. Yeah. 
And you're saying, so these um, ladies who are, I love the, what you, the way you put it, scripture naive, mm. um, they were able to engage with God's word and understand it mm-hmm. and take something away from it. Am I yeah, right in saying that? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, I do remember a lovely story that you once shared with us about Psalm 23. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether it's appropriate yeah. to, to share that. If you remember that, Kerry, do share that with us now. If it's not appropriate, then that's fine. But there was this lovely story that you shared about um, a couple, I think, gentlemen, was it not? It, it was a lady who said, it talked about your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And she said, yeah, she said, the staff here at St Paul, she said, they're just great, aren't they? <laughs> And it made us laugh. And then she says, have you got anybody called Rod? (laughs) (laughs) It's lovely. But she was engaged with the word of God. She was. was, You were studying Psalm 23 together. Yeah. Oh, that's so encouraging. (laughs) Uh, And it's so wonderful, isn't it, that the Bible, although it's a big book made up of 66 books, Mm. um, an ordinary person can engage with it and can meet with the Lord. Mm. um, Even if they've got no understanding of faith at all. So what's your favourite, um, either Bible book or character? Who's your favourite? Um, I love the story of David. I think there are um, some things about his life that kind of resonated with me because I think there was quite a period where I felt um, that I was kind of in the field, kind of called to something, but not knowing kind of quite where quite where I should be. Um, also, just love his, his passion um, and yeah, and he, you know, he's quite honest about where he messed up as well. And I, you know, I, I really, I really enjoy the story of David. Mm. I seem to go back to it quite a lot. <laughs> yes, and he was just uh, a young boy when mm. he was chosen to be king, wasn't mm. he? And had a very successful life as king. But there was a time in his life where he made he made bad choices. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we learn so much about the redemption of God, don't we, and mm. the forgiveness, and there's a lot to learn from yeah. the life of David. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. there's a specific Bible verse that you've told me you really um, you like. You've said Micah chapter 6, verse 8, and uh, I'll just read that. I'm not sure if this is a translation yeah. that you use, and it says this, God has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, to love kindness or mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Mm. Why is that important to you, Kerry? I just think it sums up, for me, um, how I go about my everyday, really. <laughs> that I try to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. So I try to do, yeah, I think that's just a principle for every day. I don't, I don't know, I'm not quite sure why I love the verse so much. I've got it up quite a lot in my house. It's the, it's the verse that we use. It wasn't my choice for, the, for, the, um, for our life group as well. But it's just that every day, choose to act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. And you can't go far wrong, mm. I think. <laughs> so it's a verse for life and for every day. Mm. Yeah. And also Isaiah as well, you said that your the verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 4, those are important to you as well. Why, yeah. why is that? I think that probably, I remember when I, um, not long after I'd really kind of come to faith, hearing a friend of mine preach on it, was just so taken with Isaiah 61, but didn't really understand the full reality of it. 
until really I did, and it's actually the verses that the community work is based on as well. You know, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to preach good news to the poor. I've, I've become more fascinated with the later verses that talk about how um, we, we are restored and redeemed and that we're planted for, as a display of the Lord's splendour and that we're oaks of righteousness who will rebuild the cities. And I have a real... Um, I, know, I know God's transformation in my own life and how I am helping in some way to restore the city of Salisbury, really, and I think that's hopeful for others as well. I see so many people in my work who who feel they have no purpose or they're, they're not valuable, they're not welcome, not valuable, and they've got nothing to offer. And I think... Um, that that the whole of Isaiah 61, those verses particularly, really kind of speak into that. So I think, what, I hope what we'll be doing in kind of the community work is including more people. I mean, in the SP2 coffee shop, we see people whose lives have been transformed just by volunteering there. So just being in contact with um, the people of God and, um, yeah, just being part of a community and what they can contribute being valid and it's literally kind of changing changing their lives. So I hope to see more of that in the years to come. Mm. And if you came, what would you say to the people that are listening if they have um, experienced any of the issues that you either experienced um, as, a, as a child or as a teenager or some of the issues that... Um, some of the people that you're meeting in the community are faced with. What would you? What was the words of advice that you would give to them? Is there anything that you could encourage them with or um, help them with? Mm. I think um, that I think there's always hope, and I think Jesus. Um, I don't. I don't think you, Jesus can cope with anything. <laughs> he can restore anything, and it doesn't matter how dark things get or how far you slip. Um, he will always uh, reach out to you, will always, you know, re- rescue you. And I think that's really, that's life transforming. So we, we can we can see doctors, we can see therapists, we can, we can do all sorts of things to try and make ourselves better. But actually it's Jesus really that I think makes, makes the biggest difference. Um, if I look at, you know, one of the things about my life now I think as the community pastor it's not just that uh, my, my life before was really dysfunctional I think God needed a tough cookie <laughs> so he created one and and I think for quite a few years I thought actually God has made something good out of something that was potentially quite quite bad what you know the verse um you know what God what you intended for for bad was you know God has made something good but I think it's more than that um, I'm actually grateful for the past that I've had because I think it's it's made me, it's fashioned me into kind of who I am now, and that was exactly what God intended me to be. And so I think there's purpose, you know, there's fulfilment, there's value um, in that relationship, really. Um, and you you won't want for anything. And so, how would we introduce our listeners to Jesus? What what is a simple way of, we've talked about Jesus, we've talked about him being um, being in relationship with him, <clears throat> excuse me, we've talked about him restoring us. Um, practically, what does that mean? How can we introduce our listeners to Jesus? Is it as simple as just crying out or speaking mm. or what, what would you say? 
I think I, I would say just start a conversation with him, just ask him to reveal himself, you know, start to talk to him. Um, some people find it easier to write, um, some people find it easier to talk, whichever way, just um, try to engage with Jesus. And then I think, you know, try um, reading the Bible, about, particularly about the life of Jesus. I think if you read the Gospels particularly, you will just understand the character of, of Jesus. And I would say find other people to talk to um, who can help you along the way. <laughs> Kerry, it's been such a joy and a privilege to talk with you. Mm -hmm. I thank you for your openness and your honesty and mm -hmm. just the way that um, your love for people just shines through, but more mm -hmm. than that, your love for Jesus. Thank you for talking with us. And we just pray God's blessings on you and Mike and your children and grandchildren. And mm -hmm. Just I look forward to hearing more about what God is going to do in and through you in the months to come. And uh, But once again, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. You have been listening to The Bible and Me podcast by Preset Ministries UK. If you enjoyed this episode, please click the subscribe button now and consider leaving us a rating or review. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry or make a donation, visit www.precept.org.uk or follow us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at PresetMinUK.